Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest this week is Sandeep Dadlani. Sandeep is the Chief Digital Officer of Mars, a century-old private maker of confectionery, pet food, and other food products, and a provider of animal care services. As CDO, Sandeep's primary role is to leverage technology, data, and analytics while driving new digital experiences to help Mars achieve its purpose and ambition faster, a hundred times faster, as he notes in this interview. Prior to Mars, Sandeep spent over 16 years at Emphasis. In this interview, Sandeep discusses his purview as CDO of Mars, the three pillars that drive Mars' digital engine, and the five cultural principles that guide Mars as a company. We discuss the extreme focus Sandeep has put on customer centricity, including the creation of user-centricity teams, and how this mindset has been applied to the courses developed by Mars University, the company's internal training platform. We also discuss why Sandeep believes creating a culture of curiosity is as important as creating the right data infrastructure. Finally, we discuss Mars' movement to come up with 100 insights in the next 100 weeks, the prevalence of AI in the company, how the company is using Snickers to show gratitude to frontline workers during the pandemic, and a variety of other topics. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Improvisation is key part of all kinds of music. Johann Sebastian Bach could improvise fugues as he went along. Jazz music, which became a sole strong unifying force in the 60s across races and religions in America, had its foundations in improvisation. It relies heavily on the ability of musicians to invent and perform musical ideas in the moment. Improvisation is critical in Indian music. Jane Harvey and Rao define Indian raga as the tonal framework for composition and improvisation. In the last century, CIO would be compared to an army general getting people to march to the beat of the drum. Whereas these days, the role of the CIO has changed. While CIOs do keep the trains coming on time are worried about uptime and cloud quality standards. There's a huge part of CIO's role that is like a jazz player, keeping his predefined time signature, but letting the players improvise, build products and software as they go using customer feedback and usage patterns. At Zoho, we compare software development to improvisation, and we do this in an agile way, meaning handover happens from one to the other, without anyone noticing it. People from different business teams, IT teams, functional teams, working in tune and time to deliver beautiful melody. To manage all this, we built a tool called Zoho Sprints. It helps teams take their development anywhere, so to explore the ultimate adventure in software development. I hope you give Zoho Sprints a try in your improvisation and agile journey. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. Sandeep Dadlani, welcome to Technovation. It's great to see you today. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's a pleasure. 
Uh, Sandeep, I thought we'd begin with your current role. You are the Chief Digital Officer of Mars, a role you've had for roughly three years now. I wonder if you could, uh, you know, CDO is one of these roles that in the grand scheme of things relative to other chiefs is still relatively new. And you speak with, you know, a dozen CDOs and you'll find maybe 14 different purviews. Uh, I wonder if you could offer a description of, of what yours is. Please describe your purview as CDO of Mars. Yes, um, Peter, the mandate at Mars, uh, being a family-owned, private, 100-year-plus company, uh, was to drive speed uh, more than anything else. So as CDO, uh, my personal mandate and role uh, is to leverage technology, data, analytics, new digital experiences to help Mars achieve its purpose, achieve its ambition faster. Uh, We internally like to call it uh, much faster or 100 times faster um, so one word to describe the mandate is also, we call it 100x. That's very interesting. And I wonder to talk a bit about that. That's, that's, that sounds like an incredibly aggressive uh, goal to have. Good for you for, for not, uh, not sandbagging. Um, talk a bit about the method of getting there, of going from, from stasis to 100 times uh, the norm. So what we have in Mars is a multitude of wonderful businesses. Uh, Our largest business is Mars Pet Care, for example, which is some of the best products and services around with a singular vision of providing a better world for pets. Uh, The second largest business is Mars Wrigley with uh, our legendary confectionery chocolate gum brands. Um, Then we have Mars Food with uh, brands like Uncle Ben's and and Domino Sauce. And then we have uh, Mars Edge, which is a personalized nutrition brand, uh, think, think of products like Cocovia uh, and so on. Uh, the good news about our business is our products and services have been increasingly relevant to consumers and customers alike across 80 plus countries. The one thing though we did want to accelerate in our journey was to help drive the speed of the enterprise and make it more digitally savvy, create new digital business models, Uh, drive synergies on our technology platforms and so on. So this role, as it started out, had all of technology reporting into it for the company. Um, But we really set up new capabilities, new infrastructure around first user centricity, a small team that helps us drive, um, really listen to consumers better and and engage with consumers better to help drive new insights, which then drive our offerings, our products, our business models. The second team that was important to set up and create was around data and analytics. Um, Mars has access to uh, some amazing data and insights across across, uh, our markets. We just weren't putting it together in a a systematic way enough. And over the last three years, uh, we set up some uh, great data lakes, infrastructures, hired data scientists, created a vendor ecosystem now that has, gosh, hundreds of petabytes of data And so now we are in a position to say that we are moving forward in the data and analytics journey meaningfully. The third setup was around automation, uh, which is Mars works uh, heavily depending on our five principles, which have been time invariant over 100 years. Uh, And along our five principles is a principle of responsibility so that every associate of ours feels uh, empowered to do meaningful work. So to take away menial work, uh, from their jobs and then to you know provide them more meaningful work, automation became an important area to be good at. These three pillars of expertise 
are helping us drive what we call our digital engine. Finding the problem with the end user, the consumer, solving it using analytics and data. And then once you find the solution, scaling the solution using automation. This digital engine now helps us uh, find and solve multiple problems across Mars. In fact, over the last three years, we've been tracking about 500 plus sprints using this digital engine. Not all of them have succeeded, uh, and we are still in a learning journey, to be honest. Um, but some have succeeded uh, brilliantly and have had impact. Um, so Mars, we feel, uh, with this level of agility, with this level of infrastructure and sprints, uh, we feel we are on the right path towards our, our digital futures. That's wonderful. Sandeep, I wonder if you could talk a bit about the cultural change that was necessary in order to realize what you've described. It makes a lot of sense. Um, certainly, uh, the way you describe it also is compelling. And but, but nevertheless, changing the way in which people operate, bringing in new skills, training people for some of the new skills that are necessary, uh, ultimately changing some of the work anyway that is done uh, is often easier said than done. So talk a bit about um, how you've thought about the cultural change necessary to realize uh, the vision you've just described. The good news that makes Mars unique uh, among all the companies that I've ever consulted or worked with is a culture that is tremendously associate-focused. This is one of the best places to work in, in almost any survey in any country that we operate in. So the associate focus and the empathy in the culture that's prevalent in Mars, for me, makes it fertile ground to drive, uh, to drive change uh, or to drive more skills and more digital futures so for example, when we started our user centricity movement, we were driving the idea of having more empathy with the consumer. Uh, but what we found is in, in our five principles, um, there are already statements like the consumer is the boss uh, and stories uh, from our founders, from our you know, generation of leaders, which talk about how we, we have always been consumer centric. In large organizations, typically, um, many of the layers become disconnected with true consumer insights. Here, when we started dragging consumers viscerally into the conversation, into our workshops, reframing the questions from the point of view of our consumers, we found um, everyone, Mars Associates, far more eager, empathetic, and willing to learn. That perhaps has helped us in our journey. Um, Mars Associates today, even after three years into this journey, are eager to put on their digital armors. Uh, we love to call them um, Iron Men and Superwomen, to be honest, um, so that um, they can maintain their hairstyle, their accents, maintain who they are as, as people. Um, but when they put on the digital armor, when they are armed with user centricity, with analytics, with automation, um, then regardless of whether it's a, a truck driver in Japan or a, a factory associate in Chicago or a brand manager in, in, in France, uh, they all feel uh, like they are superheroes and, and they can make a difference. Uh, this is our simple vision. Culturally, um, it's always tough driving change in large organizations, but this sort of human-centric approach has helped us, for example, enroll about 15,000 associates so far in the user centricity movement, enroll more than 18,000 associates in the My Analytics movement, which is purely a self-service analytics uh, story, uh, drive more than 300 use cases in automation, uh, complete more than 500 sprints of varying natures, 
fail and then succeed repeatedly um, and drive a culture which accepts that. So all in all, um, I don't think we are done yet. Uh, we have 126,000 associates, a business that has been growing all along. And um, you know, in some ways, we're just getting started. But the early signs show that the ground is fertile and the techniques seem to be broadly right towards trying to drive this change. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I really appreciate that overview. And um, you, you mentioned the, the enrollment, so to say, for the different segments and the numbers and, and the, even the philosophy about it. People are not going to succeed immediately. We need to give them the, 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 the time and space to be able to, to, to learn uh, and to, to fail till they succeed. Um, talk a bit about it. It suggests uh, almost a curriculum. A, a, a method that they are learning, a, a, a set of principles that they must undertake. Talk about, if you wouldn't mind, the learning aspect, the, the training aspect of what you've described. Our initial efforts were to generate enough compelling experiences of solving problems yourself. We did not create classrooms, curriculum initially. We wanted to help people learn by solving problems in their context. So when we started with the user-centricity movement, we did not go by offering user-centricity workshops. We went in with every business in every market, understanding the problems they were trying to solve and then helping them reframe the problems, leveraging user-centricity. That technique helped us establish credibility, followers, enthusiasms, you know, random Yammer campaigns that sprung up from everywhere. Today, we have more than 15 user-centricity clubs that have organically sprung up in different markets. So the movement is on. Now, collaborating with Mars University, which is our, our main learning platform, we have UC, or user-centricity level certifications in, in every business and partnerships with external partners to help us with the user-centricity journey. Analytics and data and analytics has been a similar journey. Um, early on, uh, I once accidentally released an email uh, for machine learning training uh, that was meant for a select set of technical associates. Now, my assumption was those were the ones meant for machine learning, but the email went out to thousands of other associates which, for which the email wasn't even meant for. These were not technical associates. To my shock, I found many of those associates in sales, in supply chain, in other functions, coming back eagerly, signing up for that training. And because everybody wanted to learn machine learning, a sense of collective awareness that these skills are becoming more and more important as we move into the future, regardless of what you grow up, what you're going to grow up to be. That allowed us to then create a curriculum around my analytics for which level zero is applicable for everybody. Uh, and that was important. Level one, level two works with uh, more advanced features and then partnerships with Udacity uh, and companies like that that allow us to continuously learn. Today, I'm pleased to say that um, our Marge University has helped codify the curriculum with external partnerships, with platforms like Edcast, partners like Udacity, and are driving the learning agenda forward even more aggressively. To me, um, if you're, uh, uh, if you can learn anything, you can do anything, uh, and that is a empowering statement. We remind all um, all the Martians every day. That's very interesting, 
And uh, Sandeep, you've, you've alluded to the fact that naturally yours is a role that has operational aspects to it, um, you know, re- rendering uh, different processes simpler, more efficient, taking, taking some of the, the burden out of people's daily tasks and, and uh, therefore making their jobs that much more meaningful. Um, you also, of course, have an external lens to it as well, the ultimate customer, the people that, uh, that buy your products and provide revenue to the organization. Talk a bit about how you think about the the divide, not, not that they're necessarily always different things, but how you spend time on the external components of digital uh, versus the internal or operational components. Um, intentionally, Peter, we have tried not to create that divide. Uh, the idea of uh, two different aspects of digital, internal and external, um, because uh, eventually, if we put the acid test to each one of our processes, internal or external, and ask the question, what does it mean to our consumers, uh, our end customers? Uh, or if it's really difficult to identify the end customers, then perhaps an end user that is closest to the end customer and consumer, that then changes mindsets. One of the things we did in our uh, one of our offices was to put a live feed uh, into consumers that were walking into our M&M stores just to allow everyone, whether you are in account receivables, whether you're trying to process a technical transaction or fixing a bug for an application that eventually processes in order to realize that who you're working for is not your boss in the corner seat, um, but perhaps uh, that mother who just walked in in a burqa with two kids in the stroller uh, into one of our world-famous M&M stores. That person is your boss. Uh, it's written in our five principles and so on. Uh, this philosophy, although very difficult to sort of, you know, enforce rigorously in every situation, helps people struggle, helps our associates struggle and grapple with the concept of what is it that I'm doing today that is going to make a difference to the end consumer. It, it has helped us reframe problems. For example, an internal project in R&D or quality and food safety, if reframed to understand how the consumer is thinking about quality and food safety right now or R&D right now, completely changes objectives and frankly brings a sense of urgency, uh, a pace, a hustle, a fire in a project that otherwise you may not um, experience. Um, to me, this level of consumer centricity has helped us more than anything else drive pace. It's not been a new piece of technology or a new consulting firm or a new partnership, but this idea of continuously, forcibly dragging the consumer into the conversation that has driven pace. So if you look at my personal time, I would like to believe it's it's 100% consumer-led. Having said that, um, I think it's about 50-50 in terms of just driving digitization of processes versus helping enable new digital business models per se and so on. So I think that's a good way to look at it. I like that. Thank you for that explanation. Uh, you've alluded to the five principles and, and mentioned at least one of them, but they are quality, responsibility, mutuality, efficiency, and freedom. There are phrases around each of them, but I've used the, the core term for each of the five. Um, and you've already uh, mentioned, for instance, the, the role that digital plays in the efficiency side. I wonder if you could just take a quick moment, if you wouldn't mind, and, and uh, mentioning the other four and the role that digital has in bringing some of those to life. So, I mean, uh, actually, that's a great question. I was wondering if uh, I can pull up uh, 
a book that actually translates the Fry principles. I'll pull it up in a in a second. But essentially, what we're doing is think about quality. Quality is described around the fact that our consumer is the boss, and for every moment that we sell each item to each consumer is important. And that's the only way you will win millions of consumers. Um, another way of translating that in digital is our idea working with our marketing teams around what does it mean for a mass marketing company to drive uh, mass personalization, uh, making a products meaningful for your household, Peter, uh, versus Jason's household or somebody else's household. This can be enabled by technology and digital. Uh, the principles were written, gosh, decades ago. Um, but today, some of these principles are brought to life using technology. Another uh, principle is around freedom. And one of the things around freedom is, is our ability to make a profit that allows us then the freedom to invest for the future, to invest in our purpose, to create a better tomorrow. Digital uh, is helping us, especially the analytics team, is helping us drive new insights where we could drive better profitability for us, for our customers, better value for our consumers. All this now, Peter, has become a statistical algorithmic game uh, that we need to be enabled with as we think about a better tomorrow. Um, so our freedom principle comes to life beautifully there. A mutuality, we intentionally created a partner ecosystem of top tier partners, which is one of the, some of the best technology firms in the world. You know, Microsoft is one we, we, we talk about a lot, uh, but there are others like Salesforce, et cetera. We have a, a second tier of, of really fast, agile vendors, and then frankly, startups uh, that are working with us in many, many uh, you know, ventures together. And we've carefully crafted mutual partnerships with them so that they see value and we see increased digital value uh, along the lines. And that shows how digital helps spark better mutuality across the whole spectrum. So all in all, look, the, the, the five principles have guided us in almost every decision, and I feel they're even more relevant and equally relevant in a, in a digital world, a digital first world that we're driving. You mentioned that speed at the outset. You said that uh, speed is a, a key um, aspect that you're measuring, and you talked about the, the mandate towards 100x uh, speed. Um, I wonder, as you contemplate and, and bring to life this digital engine that you, you referenced, are there other metrics that you're that you are keeping track of to gauge progress or lack thereof? Absolutely, um, there are leading metrics and lagging metrics here, and um, our our board, our leadership team, uh, eagerly tracks these metrics along with myself. Um, some of the you know lagging metrics are always outcomes around revenue, digital revenues, e-commerce revenues, etc. Um, there's obviously you know supply chain costs and and throughput. Um, there's those kind of metrics that are outcome oriented. But the leading metrics, which are perhaps early indicators of whether we are correctly going towards a digital journey, is things like number of processes automated or number of hours freed up. Uh, another interesting metric we are tracking is the number of AI machine learning projects that are successfully completed across the company. Um, other leading metrics include uh, the number of associates actively enrolled in user centricity or actively enrolled in the MyAnalytics program. So a combination of leading and lagging metrics helps us um, ensure we are on track for you know, the digital transformation that we're taking up. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Can you talk a bit about, you, you uh, mentioned the um, data and analytics. Um, you talked about uh, setting up data lakes, uh, the incorporation of a greater data science um, discipline within the organization. Can you talk a bit a bit further about just the broader data strategy and how you've brought that to life? Um, you know, there is so much data, no doubt, that your organization collects. And you know, uh, dividing out the, the the signal and the noise becomes uh, becomes a challenge. The more data one one, one brings together, um, talk a bit about the the way in which you've thought about data strategy. We um, early on we had a clear framework and idea about data strategies. Uh, Peter, uh, my past experience, I brought a number of uh, failures uh, and some successes to the table. Um, I have worked with organizations that uh, invested heavily in massive data infrastructures, but but failed because they had uh, not transformed the culture to be curious, to be asking the right question. So in Mars, we were conscious of that early on. So from a data strategy perspective, we were clear that creating a culture of curiosity was perhaps as important as creating the right technology data infrastructure. Uh, Talent was important. So when we went out looking for data scientist talent, um, we could definitely attract a number of uh, great talented individuals from outside. But what we were surprised with is that there were so many qualified data scientists within Mars uh, who had data science as a as a hobby. And, and someone who understood data science and had the context of Mars was perhaps uh, even more uh, dangerous than, than you know, anyone from outside. So we created a talent pool that was a mix of inside and outside resources, uh, a vendor ecosystem that could scale and very early on unlocked a lot of our transactional data um, and now are creating the right infrastructure for our consumer data for multiple businesses. We had an external firm help us um, benchmark our data and analytic strategy maturity across the last three years. And, you know, um, frankly, we have moved from an early score of 10 to now over three years, a score of 40. Those numbers mean nothing, when you, but when you start looking at averages in the consumer goods industry, uh, the consumer goods average, again, as per this benchmarking firm, is roughly around 26. Uh, well, having said that, we are early in our journey. If you think about uh, leaders uh, in the analytics world from uh, beyond consumer goods, you know, consumer goods usually is, is not leading in this area, um, then we have you know, miles to go. Uh, so our traditional competition and our non-traditional competition, uh, if we put all of those things together, we are only you know, halfway done on our journey. Uh, but overall, the strategy has come together very well. And, and I feel uh, that the businesses are feeling more confident of asking the right question, finding the right answer using data and analytics, uh, and really leveraging it for the future in many ways. Early successes have been uh, in the areas of you know, revenue management, uh, marketing, sales, et cetera. So uh, supply, supply chain, and especially in these times, it's been fun uh, following that journey. Sandeep, I also wanted to ask you, um, as you look to the future, what trends particularly excite you? We've covered a, a number of them through the context of the conversation, those related to this digital transformation that you've under, um, undergone. But what other ones uh, come to mind as you think about the future? Well, first of all, our, our consumers are... Uh, you know, constantly evolving, um, perhaps more so during these times, we are seeing uh, consumers becoming more uh, health conscious and uh, conscious about their immunities, um, their travel habits, their uh, behaviors. Today morning, my social listening team came up with a 
an amazing insight about how cars will become uh, uh, the center of entertainment because people will spend more times in at their homes but also in their cars which i think is, is unique so uh, trends around consumers fascinate me we have a movement inside mars to come up with uh, 100 insights in the next 100 weeks uh, because that's how fast consumer trends are changing um the second is around technology uh, in the last 3 years ai in particular has gone from this small coe expert based technology to something that is now invisible and available in all our programs so today we are tracking more than 100 programs that incorporate ai inside of mars uh, and that to me is a a clear signal that uh, you know when the iphone was first introduced it was a novelty and now no one thinks about it everyone has it um ai will be like this in the in you know in the coming year in the coming two years uh, this is how prevalent and uh, omniscient uh, ai will become i think we will do a lot more with sensors um whether it's in the iot world whether it's in the factory world whether it's in creating new immersive consumer experiences uh, we are a company that creates experiences think about our stores our wet hospitals etc and the beautiful products that our consumers consume so what does that mean to 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 companies like us from a products and services perspective will be interesting sensors uh, will be huge finally um, as we find ourselves in these times accelerating towards our futures our digital futures uh, the last 8 weeks have been instructive to us on what we think is 5 years away is perhaps here now um our digitization has uh, seen that in the last 8 weeks the question then remains is whether we will maintain the speed and our empathy levels uh, as a as a race as a as a as different corporations as industry even as we emerge out of this uh, current pandemic that we are going through so what what's fascinating to me is that the level of speed and empathy i have seen in the last 12 weeks across corporations including mars is remarkable um and uh, how that evolves uh, how we evolve as people uh, how we evolve as martians is uh, is another area of fascination for me <laughs> so this is how i break up the the trends does that make sense it does yeah and i i wanted to return to something you said there at the outset of that which is 100 insights in 100 days i said rather 100 weeks excuse me 100 weeks um that's again yet another uh, 100 metric that's quite aggressive how do you tune the organization towards that is it the responsibility of any one group is it something that you're soliciting a you know a, a series of or waves of ideas from whoever cares to offer them um how how do you shepherd that in our best um, um methods that we have used is we have take, always taken a small group to start the movement to spark a movement um and then to build a organic movement through a pull and once it has critical mass then codify it create organization structures around it and drive you know a rule book around it uh, this you know first inspire excite enroll and then enforce it's been a very you know good successful method for us at least within the mars culture and so this this is uh, you know our user centricity team and our social listening team came up with this idea uh, around uh, driving an insight every week because perhaps we are in today's world uh, ultra conscious uh, ultra mindful about changing trends and insights we are watching ourselves at at home um changing uh, working differently behaving differently 
um for us our the safety of our associates uh the safety of our you know products and services for our consumers uh has been super important at this time and along with it we have found many many micro trends so we have started this as a movement first now as a governed cycle with all of our businesses uh on finally these insights and and acting on these insights uh, the more insights we act and find uh, we find and then act on uh, the better we will be towards our digital futures so it's a very simple uh, concept that's interesting uh, finally sandeep uh, there's so many great great products that your company produces what are some that you're particularly enthusiastic about these days um i am particularly enthusiastic around uh, snickers uh, snickers is one of our traditional products but in this in these times snickers came out with a fantastic snickers gratitude uh, movement and i'll encourage you to visit the site sendersnickersfromhome.com where you could send uh, a box of snickers to uh, a healthcare worker or a frontline worker um to me um, snickers is a nutritious product it has peanuts and it has obviously it's very tasty etc Uh, and the way it came to life to express our gratitude towards our frontline workers was remarkable uh, kind which we have a partnership with is another product that has been uh, remarkably front and center uh, in this in these times uh, helping healthcare workers in the uk in particular and other geographies as well um, nourish themselves uh, satisfy themselves um, so those two uh, remain my personal favorites especially in these times but hey depending on the month and the in the day uh, i have a wide variety to choose from <laughs> well sandeep devlani thank you so much for for joining us on tech innovations today it's been a a great conversation deeply insightful about the uh the the pathway towards digital true digital transformation that you are leading at mars so thank you peter digital is all about uh, stories um, thank you for bringing the best of the stories out there uh, our story and other stories so that we can read them learn from them and get inspired from them Thanks for tuning in. Please join me this Thursday when my guest will be Stuart Butterfield, the founder and chief executive officer of Slack.